We're a congregation that has a lot of grace. Amen. We're a congregation where the broken, no matter how broken you are, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, we just want to get out of Adonai's way. Yeah. We just want to get out of Adonai's yeah. way. And let him do what man can't. Which is work in hearts. And the best way to have Adonai work in people's hearts when they're struggling, whatever the struggle is, whether it's a sin or whether it's whatever it is, sometimes just to get out of his way. And just let him do it. So people, we're free to have people come and wherever stage they are, and whatever their walk is, whatever they're going through, just come and just lay down on the floor and we'll just get out of the way. You know? And that's the way we are. And, and um, we come from... We come from good stock with that, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, but anyway, I'm going to talk about uh, living righteous lives. So, the frame of this conversation is uh, about law versus grace. Now, law versus grace is a conversation that's been happening in the church as long as there has been a church. How do we know this? It's a hot topic in the New Testament, even. But what do we do when we have all this grace? So I just want to frame the conversation a little bit. You know, Adonai, he loves to forgive, and he treats us with enormous amounts of grace. Uh, but is there ever a time, so we have law and grace, is there ever a time, ever a time, that he deals with his people who have accepted Messiah. Is there ever a time he deals with us according to law? And this is an important question, and I think it's something that was even discussed in the New Testament. Is there ever a time when he deals with us according to the punishments that are righteously written in Torah? Does he always look away, or does he ever, ever have to act with us? Does he always just say, Messiah, my son lives in the person, not guilty, in every moment? Or is there a time when he says, I have to act here, I have to judge, and there's a sin here, and I have to allow judgment to come? Right. Or does he say, never, you have my son, that's all that's important. And you'll hear both, and I think both are true. And I think it's okay that both are true. So let me, let me just frame this law versus grace. First of all, the whole co concept of law versus grace is really not the right <clears throat> comparison, law versus grace. There can't be grace if there's no law. Because grace comes from if you disobey the law, how, you, how the judge responds. Is he going to respond with punishment or is he going to respond with grace? If there wasn't a law broken, there's no such thing as grace, right? Like if you don't pay your mortgage, you, you, you you're either going to get charged interest or you're going to have a grace period, you know. So it's 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 not law versus grace. It's more of law versus punishment. Right. Both are the predecessor of either is there's a law and the law has been broken. How is he going to deal with that, with grace or punishment? So let me just frame what I mean by law. Because very often when you hear law, you tend to think Torah, which is true. You should think Torah, but very often in the body of Messiah, especially people that are kind of averse to, you know, oh, we don't need to do this and that, people often think when they think Torah, when they think law, they think of the ritual aspects of Torah. And they're like, Yeshua nailed that to the cross. You know, we don't have to keep kosher, and we don't have to 
keep Sabbath on a certain day, on Saturday, and we don't have to keep the holidays, and things like that. Those are ritual aspects of the law. Okay, the law has moral laws, it has ethical laws, it's got ritual laws, and these things are very ritual when people normally say, or when, like a Christian will say, Yeshua nailed the law to the cross, we don't have to do it anymore. Certainly, most Christians or most believers will never say, he nailed, love the Lord your God with all your heart to the cross. Right? That's still active, even, even for the, the Christian who is very anti-law or anti-Torah. None of them will say, 99.9 .9 will say, he didn't nail, thou shalt not murder to the cross. Right? That's obviously still active. So those are the moral aspects of Torah. You know, uh, don't steal. Don't commit sexual sins. I mean, those are still active. We see now in the world, especially in America, I see more Christians quoting Torah now than ever because of the gay marriage thing. Right? So obviously that, those laws about sexual purity and sexual sin, they weren't nailed to the cross. Right? So if a Christian that would say, oh, the law would nail is nailed to the cross, well, obviously it's, that's just a generalization because even they would say that, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, you know, don't kill and things like that, we're not nailed to the cross. Similarly, any like very often in like a messianic circuit, they say, oh, they judge the church because the church, the church doesn't keep the law anymore. But even then, they're only talking about the ritual aspects. The church didn't reject the law. They did reject some of the ritual aspects of it. Many of them do keep, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't commit idolatry. Right? So it's, it's a generalization for a Christian to say, the law was nailed to the cross. And it's a generalization for people who, who obey, the, obey Torah to say that Christians just took the whole thing and tossed it out. Both are generalizations. Neither are 100% true. Does that make sense? But for the frame of the law versus grace conversation, let's take the ritual parts out of it. Because that's a whole other conversation. We could debate that. We've spoken about it here, whether or not the ritual aspects of Torah apply to a, like a Gentile believer or a believer in general or what, whatever it is. Let's take all that out and let's just, let's just talk about the righteous, the moral aspects of Torah. Don't kill. Love the Lord. Don't commit sexual sins. All those types of things. Let's just, let's, when we say law versus grace, let's just talk about that. Let's just talk about righteous living. Okay? Gen righteous living according to God's word. So we don't get messed up in the head when we think Torah. Oh, no, 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 not that. Okay? Righteous living. So that's the frame of law versus grace. Righteous living. The, and then with that, now that we understand that, the question is, does God require his people, after they accept Messiah... Does he have a requirement for his people to live a righteous life according to his word? Does he have that requirement or does he not have that requirement? Or is it just Yeshua is within you, go do what you want, and if you screw up, Adonai will see Yeshua in you and you're forgiven because he sees his son and both things. Or does, or does he have requirements? Does he have a righteous requirement? for his people. Okay? So this is the question I want to delve into a little bit. Um, as far as does the Lord have a righteous requirement, does the Lord expect his people that have accepted Messiah to live a righteous life? The answer to me is an obvious yes. 
Okay, as much grace as we have here, as much as people come in here with, if they're broken, and I would never want to change that, never want to change that, whatever it is they're going through, I cannot say, if we're looking at scripture, that Adonai doesn't have a desire for us to live righteously and to grow in righteousness, according to his definition of righteousness. But it's not the Sinai covenant, it is a new covenant. But the, the, the new covenant, when Jeremiah spoke about the new covenant, he didn't say, I'm going to take the law and I'm going to throw it away. He said, I'm going to take the law and put it on your hearts. Yeshua is the Torah. He is the living Torah. He's the one who lives in our hearts. So he's the fulfillment of the new covenant. So it's not that righteousness goes out the window. It's that the righteous one lives within you and he can be righteous through you. Right. And that doesn't necessarily happen on day one. Okay, I remember prior to me accepting Messiah into my heart, I used to frequent strip joints. Then I accepted the Lord, and I continued to frequent strip joints. And then I got married, and I continued to frequent strip joints. But lust and, and adultery through lust is something that's against Torah. Right. And the one, the living Torah, lived inside of me. So all of this that didn't happen on day one. But on day whatever it is, a year and a half later or something like that, I was in a strip joint with my friend, and it just felt ugly. And it felt wrong. And I just felt like I was going to throw up, and I, just, I really just felt sick to my stomach. Because the Spirit of God convicted me at that moment because the one who lives within us is alive and he's growing and he's entering into our mind and our arms and our legs and he's maturing within us or we're maturing in him and him within us and at the right time the conviction happened and that was the last time I went into a, a, a strip joint back in 1998 or something like that right so so the requirement was there I cannot say the requirement was not there, but it's not the Sinai covenant where just a bunch of humans getting yelled at from the mountain like, oh my gosh, we better do this, and if we don't do it, the punishment gets enacted on us. All right, the, the Torah himself lives within us and convicts. Okay, so there is, I believe, a righteous requirement. Paul says that in Romans 6, he said, should we, I mean, because this is why I said this debate is as old as the church itself. Should we continue to sin so grace can increase? And he said, no. May it never be. How can we who have died to sin continue to live in it? I mean, the book of Hebrews has put away the sin that so easily besets. So I think we can frame what is righteousness through the, the, the moral aspects of Torah, we can, I think, agree that God has a requirement for us to live righteously. But I'm, I'm, I say that I don't mean to put anybody under a weight or a yoke like, oh my gosh, because the one that lives within you is the one who will do it. But the end game is, is righteousness according to his word, not by our own understanding of what's right, according to his word. So now that we have an, a, a, an identification or a definition of righteousness, and we have an understanding that it is required, 
Now I want to bring in the law versus grace as far as what happens when we break it. Okay? What happens when we break it? First thing I want to share is how complete, fully complete, the work of taking our sins and casting them to the bottom of the sea is when Messiah comes in. I, I cannot overemphasize the completeness. It says in Acts 13 that even the sins that according to the law there ain't no forgiveness for, Messiah forgives. It's forgiven through the death of Messiah. So you must understand that in the Torah there are things that you know you can do things to achieve forgiveness. You can you know there's Yom Kippur. You can pay back the person that you stole from. You can you know whatever restore the donkey or or all these things you can do to kind of make right. And then there are sins in the Torah that if you do it and you're caught, it's a death penalty. Done. Many things. But Peter, when he was on fire after Pentecost, after Shavuot, he said that even the things according to Torah that are unforgivable are forgiven. It's that complete. Picture this. Picture you had a stack of speeding tickets, right? Like, picture you had a stack of speeding tickets, like two feet tall, right? And each one is $100, $200, $300, whatever it is, and you got a gazillion points on your license or whatever it is, and you finally come to the judge with your stack of, of, of tickets, of, 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 of um, things that you've done when you're driving and the, 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 the offenses, and he takes them all, and he takes out the kerosene, Right? And he stacks it up. And he says, the judge says, you are forgiven for every one of those. And I personally will pay the fine for every single one of these. Whoa. That's pretty awesome. But that is exactly what Yeshua did. He declares you not guilty of every one of them and pays the fine himself. But the question is, once that happens, is there any requirement for us to drive carefully? Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Or are we supposed to say, awesome, woohoo, get in the car and go jam it at 100 miles an hour? And chuck the bird at every cop. <laughs> I mean, is that the requirement? Is that the expectation? Baruch Hashem, I've been forgiven. Thank you, Judge. <laughs> right? Is that what we do? Or is it, whoa, what was given to me, that gift was so great. I'm going to drive really carefully from now on. I'm going to obey the speed limits. I'm going to stop at the stop signs. I'm going to stop at the red lights. I'm going to do the best, best I can to do it, right? So which one is it? So I believe that we are, you know, that the expectation is that we're going to live right. We're going to take that gift and we're going to live righteously, right? So the question is, what happens? There are three things that can happen when we do mess up, and believe me, we all mess up. And that's one thing I feel passionate about at Mishkan, and we do come from good stock with that. There ain't no difference. 
Well, whoever comes in here, whatever they're going through, if you want to look at, do we accept sinners at Mishkan David? You better believe we do. I'm standing right here. Right? And again, we come from good stock with that. And may that never change. But when we screw up, and 1 John says, if you think you don't have sin, you're deceived. Everybody sins. So when you do sin, I think God can deal with us in three ways. Number one, he could deal with us with grace. And grace pretty much is, I'm going to overlook it. And he loves to look away from our sins. He loves to do that. He loves to just forgive us. He loves to just give us more and more and more and more chances just to get it right. It doesn't please him to inflict punishment. It pleases him to deal with us with grace. I mean, look at the Israelites, right? I mean, 490 years of idolatry, of sin, before the judgment came, and he allowed Babylon to come and kick them out. 490 years, because it says that they did not keep the Shemitah years. So that's a seven-year cycle. So for every Shemitah that they did not keep, you're going to be in Babylon for one year. That's why the Babylonian exile was 70 years, and it was 490 years to get to that point. But 490 years of grace, of overlooking it. And we see other things in Scripture, other times when it says, like, I need a sin to get to a certain level to kind of bubble over before I'll do something about it. Right? It says that even with, um, with, with the children of Israel in Egypt, like the sin of the Amorites. It, says it had to reach a certain level. It had to kind of bubble over to the point where Adonai says, I'm going to move. Okay? Um, but so he deals with us with grace. Option number one, or, or answer number one from the Lord deals with us with grace. I believe that Satan, Hasatan, Hebrew means the accuser. One of the definitions of Hasatan is the accuser. That's why scripture calls him the accuser of the brethren, okay, because his name is the accuser. So he's up there. He has access to the throne room. I know, Satan doesn't mean devil, okay? It means accuser or adversary, but being the accuser, he has access to God's throne room. We see that in, in, in Job. So when we mess up, Satan's up there saying, do you see what your son did? Do you see what your daughter did? And it pleases God to say, not guilty. Not guilty. And I also believe that when we repent, when we're mournful, when we're sorry to the Lord for the things that we mess up with, and there's so many things that we mess up with that we just, we want to get better, but we just don't have the strength. There are so many men that deal with certain like pornography and things like that, or, or there are people that are, are drug addicted, but they don't want to be drug addicted. So they mess up and they fall. And they're like, Adonai, I'm so sorry. I screwed up again. Do you know that every time you say, Adonai, I'm sorry, it's like it never happened. When you repent, there ain't no second offenses. There ain't no two-time offenders. Because you can mess up, but a broken and contrite heart, he will never, ever, ever, ever despise. Ever. So we mess up and we say, oh, Adonai, I messed up again. I'm so I don't know, I'm, I'm sorry, I repent. Done, it never happened. It's as if it never happened, so if you do it again, you're a first-time offender. <coughs> There's no second-time offenders. And he loves to deal with this this way, and he's full of grace, and he's <gasps> long, <gasps> oh, <laughs> long-suffering. 
suffering with us. That's his nature to be long-suffering. So when we mess up, he loves to deal with us with grace, to overlook the offense. And he, he can do that for generations, as we've seen with the Israel, children of Israel. You know, I mean, people born into sin, they die in sin, another generation. No. He deals with it with grace and with forgiveness and to give them an opportunity to come back. And that's why he instilled the prophets there to give them word of what they're doing wrong. But is there a time we know, you know, that we're, quote unquote, under grace, right? With, especially with, with Messiah within us, where it's grace, he deals with us with grace. But is there other ways he deals with our sins? Is there sometimes he has to act? Is there sometimes that he punishes even with, even though we're believers, is there a time that we have consequence? And I want to say, I'll answer that as yes to both, and I want to tell you the difference between punishment and consequence. Because they're different. Let me explain. Okay, you got your stack of speeding tickets, right? They've been forgiven. They've been burnt up with the kerosene. The judge paid all the fines. You're done. Now you're out on the road going 100 miles an hour. Right? But you're under grace, right? The cop sees you do it. The cop can't touch you. You're under grace. He knows what happened. So you speed back the cop, you know. <laughs> chucking the bird. You can't touch me. Right? You do that over and over and over again. You're under grace. You're not going to get punished in this example doesn't mean you're not going to crash up your car. doesn't mean you're not going to hurt yourself. doesn't mean you're not going to hurt somebody else. If that happens, it's not punishment. It's consequence. Okay? So there is consequence to breaking laws. Right? I mean, even like the laws of the land, there's a 55 or 65 mile an hour speed limit thing to kind of Keep you safe. Oh no, 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 no. That's control. They're keeping me they're keeping me under the burden of the laws. Well, the laws are there to keep us safe, so there won't be consequence. I'm not talking punishment, I'm talking consequence. Right? If you I mean there's physical laws. We know there's physical laws. Laws of what are the physical laws? Laws of gravity, laws of motion, laws of relativity, laws of thermodynamics, and these things kind of govern the universe physically, right? I mean, there are laws that keep the Earth spinning and, and, and going around the sun and, and not having it break away and go frozen out to space, right? There are physical laws that make that happen, but if you try to break a physical law, you're going to get hurt, right? You can jump off of your roof a hundred times. Eventually, you're going to break your leg. It's not punishment, it's consequence. Does that make sense? Same thing with spiritual laws. I believe that the spiritual laws are greater than the physical laws. In fact, the spiritual laws and all the laws in the Torah, every one of them, even the ritual ones, govern the physical. Right. They govern the physical. And that's why I think, because that's why you see, I mean, the, the spiritual laws are greater than the physical. This is why Yeshua can walk on water. This is why Moses can hit the rock and water can come out. This is why Joshua, who's the predecessor of Yeshua, the foreshadow of Yeshua, can say, Son, stop in your tracks. And God puts a brakes on our orbit. Until the battle is won, then he continues it on. 
This is why Yeshua can resurrect the dead. Because the spiritual it governs the physical. And this is why even in the New Testament that you see a, a relationship between sin and sickness. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a punishment for the sin. It is a consequence because when you break a spiritual law, God can you know, deal with us with grace. But there might be a, a, a consequence to doing that. And I believe there is consequence, or there can be consequence when we break spiritual laws, when we live unrighteously. So then, but that's not punishment. So then comes punishment. Does God ever listen to Satan when he's up at the throne room saying, look what your son, look what your daughter did, when we have Messiah in us? And it's, it's, it's not an easy answer. You'll get some that will say, no, never, and you'll get some that say, yes, sometimes. And I want to bring up a really odd scripture uh, from Paul. It's in Corinthians 5, I think 1 Corinthians 5. So here's what he says. So he's, he's not with the Corinthians. He's writing to them. He's from a distance, but he's with them in spirit. And he says, there's a man among you who did something that even the Gentiles don't do. Right? Like, look at, look at the world and how messed up the world could be. And imagine saying, they don't even do what you did. So what he did is he wound up sleeping with his dad's wife. And that's what Paul said. And he said, that was just so bad. Like, even like the people in the world don't do that. But you guys in this church, why aren't you weeping? And why aren't you mourning over this? And why aren't you acting according to this? And why do you let him stay with you? And I'm like, even as a rabbi, I'm like, whoa, that's rough. And he said, Paul says, I'm not with you in, in the natural, but I'm with you in spirit. And in, in the spirit, in the name of Yeshua, I pronounce judgment over this man that he needs to leave your community, leave your assembly, and I hand him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So his soul can be saved in the day of Yeshua. That's rough. That's a believer. So he was in the church. So there's a couple of points with this thing. Number one, he was sinning. Number one, the church that he was in showed him a lot of grace, but the grace extended beyond the grace even that Adonai, the Holy Spirit, wants to extend to him at this time. Okay? Paul handed him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, and the destruction of the flesh is the punishment according to Torah for that particular sin. Okay? So in that particular case, Adonai, through the Holy Spirit, into Paul said, he's guilty, that i got to release Satan to do what he does. Now, whether the destruction of the flesh was actually killing him, or the destruction of the flesh is a spiritual thing which we all go through, where Adonai allows our flesh to be destroyed. So all that's left is Yeshua within us. That was allowed. That wasn't consequence. That was punishment according to law. But Paul also said, I'm going to release Hasatan to do this so his soul will be saved on the day of the Lord Yeshua. So as bad as his sin was, it didn't affect his salvation. He was still saved from an end times perspective. There's no doubt about that. That was untouched. But still, there was judgment and punishment according to the law for this believer because of what he did. Grace kind of ran out at that time for this instance, and Satan was released to do what, he, what Adonai lets him do, even with us.
Okay? So, in conclusion, God loves to deal with us with grace. He is long-suffering with us. Long-suffering. When we repent, it's like it never happened. You know, there's so many people in the body of this. I speak to them that are so broken and they're, because they mess up and they mess up and they mess up. But I, I, I know their heart is contrite and broken and I wish, oh, I wish I could just tell them that you are so forgiven. It's as if it never happened. But there are times when God has to come in and execute judgment even on the believer. And most certainly, when the laws are broken, there could be a ramification unrelated to punishment. There could be consequence for breaking spiritual laws. So why do I share all this? I share all this because of the time we're in. And I'm going to tell you what prompted me to speak about this. Tonight, we're entering into the sixth month of the Jewish calendar. It is the month of Elul. We're entering into the time that we've been watching for a very long time this autumn festival season in the year 2015, when there's you know, a lot of talks about potentially judgment coming. So two Shabbats ago, we were at a party for our Rebus and Lisa, and Mr. Jose came to me, and we were chit-chatting about all these end time scenarios and all these crazy things that will happen, right? And I don't know if any of them are gonna happen. I have no idea, okay? I don't know. I mean, we're going to be planning to celebrate Sukkot, and on that first night of Sukkot, we're going to be under the blood-red moon watching it live, as long as there's no clouds. And it actually happens around like 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, you know, not like the previous ones were 3 in the morning or something like that. So um, I was talking to Jose about all these end-time scenarios, and I don't know if any of them are, are going to happen or not, but we need to be mindful of these things. So one thing Jose said, which, which struck me, he said, you know, all this talk about end times, all it makes me do is just ask Adonai, what is it within me that I can grow more in? What is it in me that I just need to improve? What is, it, what is that one area or multiple areas within me where I just need to, I need to grow in righteousness, where I need to improve, I need to give this. I know I have that. I have areas in me that are not fully submitted to Messiah. My wallet ain't fully submitted to Messiah. Because when Susie comes to me and says, can we just give them $200? Because they're, and I'm like, what about the mortgage? What about the bills? What about the And she's like, oh, don't worry about that. What is it? Don't worry. Oh, give us the money for the mortgage. Don't you worry. I'm just hoping that in the end, Adonai is going to come to me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've given to me your wallet 100%. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, it happened through your beloved, who you're one with. Excellent! (laughs) 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 So there are areas that I certainly know that I need to. And that struck me, what what our King Jose said. That when I look at these end times things, I just think, Adonai, is there something in me? Search me and know me. Search me and know me. Reveal any wicked way and lead me in the way everlasting. So that is my prayer for us, for me, for you. May Adonai, may he deal with us with grace. 
in all times. And may we have the strength to endure when he has to push us through a, a season, a time of allowing the destruction of our flesh. So our soul can be saved. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. The end result is for our flesh to be destroyed anyway. Yeah. So Yeshua, the one, the one, the eternal one that lives within us, that lives within you, can radiate. Can radiate. Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 Amen.